0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your co-host, Brandon Ware.
0: Hey, hey, this is Jess O'Reilly here, your friendly neighborhood sex and relationship expert. Thank you to Desire Resorts for their ongoing support of this podcast. Desire has multiple locations on the Mayan Riviera, as well as clothing optional, couples-only cruising in Europe. Check them out at Desire Experience. Now, Brandon and I are back in Toronto just for today. We came from Stratton, Vermont. We were at the Wanderlust Festival, and Wanderlust is an outdoor yoga, music... Meditation festival that's focused on helping people to find their true north, whatever that may be. And we were there with WeVibe and Womanizer, and we had such an incredible response to the sessions, especially the mindful sex session and it was really cool for me to talk to people who already integrate mindfulness into their daily lived practice but were simply looking to bridge that practice and make sure that it was extended into their intimate relationships and sex lives
1: as somebody who's not a yogi or a yoga practitioner i can tell you i was a little unsure about the vibe before we went i thought to myself Am going to be doing yoga in a forest and, I don't know, trying to stretch and not being able to and maybe eating granola? And I'm down with the granola part, totally. You do love your granola. I love granola. Some granola. But the rest of it, I, I wouldn't say that I was intimidated, but I was unsure as to how the event was going to unravel. And it, it was great.
0: Is it because you saw forest bathing <laughs> on the schedule? It was
1: real, man. It was forest bathing. Wasn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it has to do with like walking through the forest and getting to know the plants and foraging. So it's not as though you're rubbing leaves all over your body. <laughs> well, maybe they are. I didn't go to the forest bathing session, but they had really cool hikes. There were hikes, for example, where you would hike to waterfalls and they had a cellist playing at the top. So it was a really, really neat experience. And I, I bring it up because I wanted to talk for a moment about Vibe and Womanizer. And many of you, because I talk about it often. You're probably familiar with the WeVibe suite of products. They started with a couple's vibrator designed specifically for penis in vagina sex, and they've sold millions of those, and they have a a range of other products. My favorite is the WeVibe Touch. I know Brandon's favorite is the WeVibe Pivot, but I also wanted to bring up Womanizer, And I know some people are a little off-put by the name, but this is all about reclaiming the language. The Womanizer brand has some really cool and unique products. So each product has a little round opening that is designed to fit over the head of the clitoris, but you can use it all along your lips and people use it on their nipples. And what it does is it creates a suction-like sensation, but it's not actually sucking. It's using what they call pleasure air technology. So tiny little bursts of air to create that that overwhelming sucking sensation. And if you've never had an orgasm before, some people are learning to orgasm with the Womanizer. And if you have had an orgasm or two before, I remember the staff from Good For Her, which is a sex-positive shop here in Toronto, saying that it felt like having their first orgasm all over again.
1: Maybe I should try.
0: You've you've used <laughs> it on your nipples.
1: I mean, listen, I'll try anything, almost anything. But once. it's only
0: your left nipple.
1: Just the left. Yeah, His sure. left
0: one's just so much more sensitive. How did you discover that, babe?
1: Well, it was during a forest bathing <laughs> at the Wanderlust <laughs> Festival. Three. No, just kidding. I don't know. It just happened.
0: You just figured it you out. You learn
1: your body, man.
0: Yeah, you got to get to know your body. In the forest or in the bedroom?
1: (laughs) Forest bathing or not.
0: Yes. Anyhow, so check out Wanderlust Festival. Really cool. And they have events across the globe. And check out WeVibe, obviously, online if you haven't yet. We're going to be doing a giveaway with them. And Womanizer Global is the handle for the Womanizer toys. If you're looking for something unique, uh, definitely have a look. Now, we have a number of questions to get through today.
1: Love me some questions
0: from listeners. So I love that you are sending in your questions. Some of them are really long, so I have to pare some of them down. But this first per- per- first person wants to know, "How do I not get jealous when it seems like everyone else is so happy, especially on social media?"
1: Social media.
0: I think we all struggle with this. And so I think the first thing to know is that your comparisons aren't realistic. Comparing your real-life relationship to the highlight reels of other people or other couples or other people in your field, it's inevitably going to produce frustration and jealousy and just general dissatisfaction because... You know, photos, videos, edited posts, uh, they offer this momentary snapshot that's totally incomplete. It's condensed, it's scripted, and your life in real life is just more complex than one post can illustrate when I think about what I post on social media. So first of all, I take a whole bunch of pictures before I decide on one that I like. Uh, And then, you know, we're filtering them and then I'm writing the post and I'm rereading the post and sometimes I write a post and I hand it to Brandon and I say, does this sound stupid? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, that's terrible.
1: (laughs) I never say that, but I think we do doctor everything that we're putting out there. No one, very few people have I seen that are completely honest all the time on social. Like, who's going to be like, I had a crappy day today. It really sucked. And so did the last quarter or the last three months or five months. Right.
0: I don't talk about the fact that there wasn't any food in the house this morning. So I ate a chocolate bar that I stole from, it not stole, but I, I took from an airplane for breakfast this morning and that I have a tummy ache. I don't post about the fact that oh, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about this today. We might have to do it another day. But the sex we had the other night was kind of weird. And it was like a little uncomfortable at first. Well,
1: speak for yourself. (laughs)
0: It's fine for me. (laughs) Fine. Fine is my goal. (laughs) Fine.
1: It was adequate.
0: Adequate is my goal. Um, You know, I don't post about the fact that you know, you're constipated sometimes, <laughs> or the fact that I had a terrible night last night. I came home really cranky and pissy over the traffic in the city, and I was playing in the ultimate frisbee um, championship game, and we lost. And a championship's pretty, you know, it's a championship in a league, so it's not the end of the world. But I was, I was pissy, and so.
1: What did I say? You had, you had a bad attitude.
0: I did. I had a bad attitude. You had last a bad night.
1: attitude, man, Terry Crews.
0: Right, which is why I didn't post on social media last night, and so. This is the first step. Know that you're comparing your regular life to less than 1% of someone else's life. And then the second piece is jealousy is normal. Admit to it. Identify perhaps what you're feeling and, and can you identify if you're seeing something in somebody else's life or on somebody else's feed, is there something they have that you want, right? And is there anything you can do about it? If, if you see them and you you know they're four inches taller than you, or three inches shorter. There's nothing you can do about that. But yeah, if you there s- is. Oh, what's that?
1: Are there like Facetune? Can't you make yourself six feet taller than you actually are?
0: Okay, yes, you can filter it up. <laughs> Facetune is an app that allows you to morph your body into anything. You know, I could use Facetune to make me look like Brandon and vice versa. But in real life, there's there's nothing you can do about that. But if they are working on a really cool project and you are jealous that you haven't had time or you haven't had the motivation or the follow-through... I think it's a good reminder that jealousy can help you to feel inspired. So when it comes to what you see on social media, calculated comparisons can actually be useful as long as you realize that, again, social media is just one depiction of a multifaceted life or relationship. But you can learn from other people. So, for example, maybe you follow someone who – really prioritizes health and, and fitness. And maybe it motivates you to do the same. Or maybe you follow a couple who travels and you use their itineraries as inspiration for your next trip. And so I think it's important to remember that experiences of normative jealousy can be helpful if they help you to recognize what you want and how you can maybe adjust your thoughts or adjust your behavior to find more fulfillment.
1: You brought this up. Uh, recently during a a discussion where you highlighted, who are you following? Because if you're following and you're seeing photos of people that inspire you, it's going to help with, you know, how you respond. It's going to inspire you to, to act or to do whatever it is in that positive direction. Whereas if you're just going on and seeing things that bother you, either make a conscious decision to reflect on why it's bothering you or... Don't pay attention to it. Like I used to do that where I think I would see what other people were doing and get irritated that I'm not doing it. And it's a reflection of how I feel about my own either inactivity or um, stagnation. And I realized at that point, I'm not going to let it bother me. This was just how I responded. I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to focus on what I need to do personally, professionally to feel great. And uh, but even recently changing the people that I follow made a big difference.
0: I don't know who to credit for this term, but uh, I can I can look it up. They they use the term digital diet. Change your digital diet. So shift up who you're following. Don't just follow people who, you know, are one type of way or who look a certain way. Make sure even when it comes to your body image that you're looking at all sorts of beautiful images, not just a one-dimensional portrayal of what beauty can be. And and so when we're talking about jealousy, once you've acknowledged that you're jealous you can examine why you're feeling it and what you can do about it. So what shifts can you make to learn from the feeling? How can you use feelings of jealousy to look at what you feel you're missing or make changes or in some cases accept your circumstances because you can't change everything. So if you feel jealous because somebody else has financial success that you don't have, maybe you can take steps to improve your own confidence or make adjustments in your own finances. And I want to acknowledge that not everybody has the same opportunity. It's not like you can look at what I'm doing and necessarily do exactly what I'm doing and get the same result because I probably have some advantages over many people, just like other people have advantages over me. Although, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I know how lucky I am. I know how much privilege I live with. And I think the other piece is look at ways to build your confidence overall. If you admire or covet something somebody else has, what can you do to embody this in your own life? You can't have everything they have, but you can, again, change the way you think and change a behavior right now. And then finally, I wanted to just talk briefly about envy. Um, You know, envy often refers to negative emotions actually directed at other people so when you begin to feel resentful or malevolent whereas jealousy tends to refer to longing for something that somebody else has so if you're feeling envious that's when you really want to work to address the underlying jealousy because it's exhausting to live your life directing anger and resentment and malevolence at other people you can't really survive it 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 wears on the body and the mind and in the spirit if you believe in, in, in a soul. So I'm going to leave you just with the reminder that you might also want to consider the evidence that supports your jealousy. Should you really feel jealous or is it more of a, an emotional response that isn't as rational as it could be? Not that an emotional response is inevitably in ra- irrational. So if a friend came to you with the same problem and feelings, what would you say, right? Are they really being realistic or do you have a great life as well?
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. Also, you can follow dog accounts. <laughs> just follow dogs and animals. Awesome.
0: That, though that lifts your mood, that might not lift someone else's mood. That's just me. Yeah, all the people in our lives love dogs. <laughs> if you want to go on Brandon's search page on Instagram, it is nothing but dogs. I
1: just look at dogs. That's it. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Do you feel jealous of dogs?
1: I don't feel jealous. I mean, it makes me feel a little sad, but also happy. Yeah. It does.
0: So uh, let's, let's move on to another question. This person wants to know, oh, I get questions like this all the time. How do I get over my ex? It has been three months and I feel like I'm not any better than I was the day after we broke up. And I'm sorry. I know this sucks. Breakups suck. Waiting for the time to pass sucks. Um, but I do want to challenge you and ask you, are you following them on social media? because it is really difficult to get over something if there's still a considerable part of your life, life and social media is a part of your life. So can you take a social media break? Rather than, you don't have to cut them off forever, but, you know, can you try and not keep tabs? Can you try and not post about them? And again, remembering that everything you see on social media is curated. And then a, a couple other kind of, I guess, I don't want to say quick fixes because it's not going to be a quick fix. But Can you change your daily routine? Because sometimes the hardest part of a breakup isn't the loss only of companionship, which of course is difficult, but the major shift in your practical routine. So for example, did you used to go for coffee together every morning on the way to work? So can you find a new morning ritual with a friend or a coworker, or a neighbor or on your own so that you don't find yourself in the coffee shop reminiscing about the time you spent together kind of soaking in your morning high and... you know the longer you are in the relationship the more ingrained those behaviors and habits become but you really can break these patterns almost immediately by making conscious decisions to change small daily habits one at a time so i challenge you today or tomorrow to pick something that perhaps was part of your relationship routine and break it do something entirely different Uh, and then the other piece is we're often focused on moving on to meet someone else but I think after a breakup it's a good time to just try something new without the goal of meeting a partner. And this can really boost your self-esteem and, you know, rather than just focusing on the relationship, try something that's new and challenging. Maybe, you know, book yourself into a workshop or a session or a class. Um, Pay in advance so that you have to go, whether it's a dance class or like an Indian cooking class or a rock climbing session Or, I don't know, what are people's other interests?
1: Languages, a new course, um, music.
0: Floral arrangement.
1: Forest bathing. Forest. Going back there today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so can you try something new without the goal? It's not that you're going to this group to meet a partner, but hopefully you meet new people and it just expands your network. So those are kind of my three approaches. Uh, Take a social media break change something about your daily routine and try something new, new and and something that maybe makes you a little bit uncomfortable.
1: Losing anything, anyone is difficult. And I think, I wish I had this advice <clears throat> in the past when I've experienced that, but going through it just sucks, like you said, and time heals. But I think diving into a new challenge would be a way to shift your mindset away from the focal, the focal point being your partner and how you're no longer with them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish you well. I hope that it gets better, and it will. Yeah,
0: of course it gets it just better. It takes time. Yeah, and people say that, oh, it takes time. And, you know, may, I'm guessing maybe this is one of your first breakups, but after one or two, you start to realize that it really is just time that heals. And more questions. I want to power through as many as we can. This person says Uh, I'm getting married and I've got anxiety over my wedding. It's not about getting married, but I find that I'm just really stressed about the wedding itself with all the work and all of the planning. And I heard you guys talk about the fact that your wedding wasn't stressful. So how do I reduce the stress and the anxiety in, in this wedding planning? So, I mean, first, you know, a little bit of anxiety can be a good thing because it indicates that you care. Um, and we experience anxiety in part to help us perform at our optimal. But of course, your wedding day isn't a performance. You want it to be an enjoyable experience. So really, you probably want to look at the source of your anxiety. And I'm going to say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think you should stop planning your wedding and instead plan your marriage. So whatever time you are dedicating to this wedding, please divert 20% of it, 25% of it, of your time and money. Whatever's going into the wedding, take 20% of it out and invest in your relationship. So this might be involve going to premarital counseling, just to, you know, talk about what lies ahead. It might just be taking time together to hang and not talk about the wedding. Maybe you go take a course, for example, if you're going to Greece on your honeymoon go take a, a Greek a, a crash course in the Greek language if you're going to Spain go study Spanish go to a health spa take a tour of your own city take an unpaid day off work um, you know our emotional and our I think our intellectual resources are diverted when we're planning a wedding and also because there's a big transition coming up and it means that we have less time to invest in ourselves and in our relationships and If you're planning a wedding, you're probably experiencing some tension with other parties who are involved, whether it's your parents or their parents or your wedding party. So your patience can be really depleted and you do not want to expend all of your energy on other people and allow that tension and energy depletion to get misdirected in terms of the way you behave toward your partner. So please stop with the wedding and take a fifth of it, a fifth or a quarter, all right? of the time and financial resources and just hang with your partner, spend time with your partner because we spend all this time planning for the wedding and not planning for the rest of your lives. And I know with many people, the stress comes from disagreements about the wedding itself. So for example, what do you spend? What do you buy? How big is it? Who do you invite? And you know, it's, it's different because when you're planning the wedding, you fight about the wedding and when you're in a marriage, you tend to, to argue about kids, sex, money and housework. Uh, And I think one of the big mistakes we make is that we assume that the tension around wedding planning will dissipate after the wedding and the opposite is true. If you start to feel resentful about money or family or division of labor during the wedding planning stage, these issues will only intensify (laughs) if you don't work them out now. So people don't listen to me when I say this, they're so hung up on their wedding planning and making sure that the The cake icing is the right color and the napkins match the bows on the back of the chair and, you know, they've got the right videographer and they're getting the right angles and none of that will matter if you don't take care of the relationship first.
1: Reflecting back on our wedding, I can say that it was slightly stressful but not very stressful and I think there are two reasons that I felt that way. Number one is, and I am not wearing this with with any degree of pride or it's not a badge of honor, I didn't do much for our wedding.
0: You Neither did, did I. <laughs>
1: you did more than I did. And we certainly, I, again, I wish I had been more involved. I also think I was a little bit oblivious as to what needed to be done. But I do feel like we had a good foundation before we, I mean, I was the one that wanted to get married.
0: Yes, that's but, true. I didn't. You didn't. I wanted to have a party.
1: You wanted to have a party. I wanted a formal, well, not a formal, but I wanted the ceremony. And. Re- now I, I'm indifferent as to whether or not we would have had that or not I'd gone to City Hall. But I didn't know what the wedding involved. And now I see everyone and how much. There's the all the parties leading up to it. All the different people who have a, a say as to what's being spent. Wh- who's invited. You can see how all of this conflict can arise. And it just seems like if you're not constantly communicating with your partner about what's working, what's not, why you're irritated, why you got a bad attitude, why you got a bad attitude that day, the resentment grows. And then post-wedding, when everyone thinks that marital bliss will begin and continue for the rest of your lives, you have this... Um, th- this
0: Carryover.
1: Yeah, that, that's hanging over your head.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, Brendan, you say you didn't do much for our wedding. I, I don't feel I did much. And I think this comes back to our support system. And I, I posted about this on Instagram the other day. And I don't know if I've spoken about this briefly on the podcast, but I was on my flight home from somewhere a couple of months ago, and I sat next to this guy, and he was a big business guy um, in Canada. Businessman? Businessman. He's not a businessman. He's a businessman. <laughs> okay, jeez. <laughs> and he, you know, we just got to talking casually, and then I had mentioned Brandon was picking me up at the airport, and he said, wow, he's coming to get you during rush hour. And I said, yeah, he, you know what, he always does. And said, we, you know, we're actually going to go to my mom's and have dinner. And he said, oh, and anyhow, we got to talking and he said, you have an incredible support system. Because he was asking me how I, how I manage the travel, how I manage the time, how I have so much energy, how I can, you know, land and and give three speeches in a night. And it really is only because I have these people who tend to my garden. So this Instagram post was talking about a literal or figurative garden. And not only does my mom do my actual garden in my house because it would be just weeds without her but my mom does a lot to support us and you do a lot to support me and my neighbors Bindu, Shelley, and other folks offer so much support and I think if I look back to our wedding how long ago was it? Nine, 13 years ago? Yeah. 13 years ago it was my aunt Thalia who brought the orchids to go on the tables. It was Mike and Denise, my cousins, who carried everything down from Florida to get it down to Jamaica for me, as well as Uncle D. It was Auntie Gay, who helped out and did all the flowers. It was my mom and Luigi who were behind the scenes, making sure that, you know, the parasols and the fans and everything got to the people. And I'll tell you, I didn't think of any of it. And it's partly because we were a little bit young, and had never, you know, produced an event before. I think it's also because we're, we were a little chill. But I think the biggest piece is that we're so used to having so much support and we're so fortunate to and I I, I, when I posted that post I said to Brandon does it seem braggadocious does it seem like I'm saying I have the best network I think I'm just really lucky and I hope that I give back to all these people that I just named in a similar way or in a in a way that's as meaningful to them as they their gestures and their support is to me and I think that's really what what makes life so great. Yes, I'm really happy in life, and I, you know, I have a cool job, and I have a nice husband, and we have a nice life, but it really is the people in our lives that give so much, not just emotional support, but practical support, and I I do, of course, hope it's a two-way street that I'm giving as much as I'm taking over the course of a lifetime.
1: I I think you are. I, I know that you are, and going back to the question about you know, the wedding and the investment, I I couldn't agree more with you. I see these people, excuse me, jumping into relationships and focusing so heavily, spending thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this single day, assuming, or the way I interpret it is the belief that if this day goes perfectly, the rest of my life will follow suit. Hmm. And I look at it, and I think to myself, have you had some of these conversations with your partner about the things that you've commented on before about money or family or sex
0: or kids kids. or career yeah those are the important things to do when you're planning for a marriage it's not really about the food or the decor or the music those things are fun of course you want the party to be good you know I love a good party
1: you do love a good party I
0: love a good party but if the party was a disaster if something went wrong I mean, a bunch of things went wrong at our wedding. I mean, I remember like they, they didn't bring out the grill and they brought they were supposed to grill the meat fresh and they didn't. They just put it out. And then we had a cigar roller and they started charging my guests for cigars. I mean, I, I remember it this many years later, but I was able to rectify it. They set up the tent in the wrong place. My wedding planner didn't come because it rained. Because it rained. But that's normal in Jamaica. You know, I thought it was ridiculous at the time, but then the more you learn about... infrastructure of a place like Jamaica so you know she didn't have a car and they use what we call robo taxis to get around meaning they're just people who drive through the neighborhoods and the roads are flooded out right the roads the gullies overflow so she couldn't get there so the wedding planner didn't come the tent was in the wrong spot they told us we had to close an hour early (laughs) the lamb was not the lamb was overcooked the somehow my guests ended up having to shell out cash to get cigars
1: to run around and give them their money back
0: yeah and somehow the marriage worked out (laughs) despite all of these wedding day gaffes
1: the one piece of uh advice that i was given that day was that this is a great day stuff's gonna go wrong Mm -hmm. but just enjoy the moment
0: who told you that
1: it was james who's that diane Diane and James
0: oh sorry we have a really big family big family Big
1: family. (laughs) so So, there are
0: many Jameses in the James I
1: don't even know if he remembers this but he was the one that kind of pulled me aside and just said if you do this right you're gonna do it once and stuff is gonna go wrong but just enjoy the day enjoy the moment and I did and that's the only piece of insight if somebody asks that I share with them about your wedding days stuff's gonna go wrong it's not the end of the world
0: And to be fair, James, who married my cousin Diane, uh, they were married in Jamaica two years before us, and we basically just modeled our wedding after theirs.
1: (laughs) He probably knew this stuff was going to go wrong, as it does with every wedding.
0: Yes, and theirs, I think, was even bigger than ours. Like, we only had about 100 people.
1: I remember his wedding, or their wedding, and some people at late at night stripping down to almost nothing and running into the water. That was me. Yeah. I still That's have right. a
0: bruise on my foot because we went it was pitch dark I didn't actually strip down the guys stripped down but we ran into the water and you're running and there are rocks of course on on the bottom and it, you know when you get a bruise that never heals yes this was 2004 I feel like my foot has never been the same <laughs> although Varsha my chiropractor would say that all the problems come from my heels
1: absolutely they do you constantly constantly walk around and. In- five inch
0: heels I don't constantly walk I'm barefoot right now okay I wear heels at events and we call them sitting shoes so if you ever see me on tv in high 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 heels the truth is that I literally carried them to set I showed up in flip-flops and I just put them on for the shot it's all smoke and mirrors anyhow if you're getting married congratulations I really hope you enjoy the day and really prepare for the marriage because that's what It's all about, right? Yeah, have fun. That's what it's all about.
1: Oh, man. I I don't have kids, (laughs) but I
0: make dad jokes. Okay. I want to get to one more question. And so moving from somebody who is new to marriage to a couple who has been together for a while. And she says, My husband and I are going through a rough patch and it feels like we've been fighting for years. We barely even touch anymore. And we ended up having a heart-to-heart last week and we agreed to spend the full weekend together next weekend when he comes back into town. He works over 500 miles away. We want to take this time to reconnect. It's actually our 10-year anniversary, but we aren't sure where to begin, especially with the healing. So this one's a bit longer, so I'm going to leave it at that. I mean, first, it's important to remember that you're not going to you're not going to heal years of hurt and resentment in one weekend, but you really can begin one day at a time. So if you're struggling in your relationship, I always think it can be helpful to formally take stock of what you appreciate and value and admire about your partner and your relationship. So can you actually write down, make a list of why you care about them, why you admire them? what is going well? What do you love about them? And so you can consider even elements from the past, because even if you're not feeling it right at this moment, it still exists right there. And John Gottman, for example, often talks about the fact that if you can still recall fond memories, it's a good sign. Whereas if you go back to happy moments in time and all you recall for example, your wedding day, all you recall is that the lamb was overcooked. Then, you know, that's when you're in trouble. Now, Gottman's research can be really useful. He's got a great framework for relationships that's very marketable. Some of his research is super prob- problematic, in my opinion, and and insufficient. And when you ask for the data, it comes from his lab, but it's not necessarily peer-reviewed, so I, I do caution you to take some of it with a grain of salt. But I do think it's important to think back to those happy memories, and, and if you can, that's a really good sign. And this is par- partially a practice, an expression of gratitude, right? And, and we know that the practice of gratitude is associated with more likability, higher self-esteem, lower stress levels, more compassion, and couples who practice gratitude are simply happier in their relationships. They feel closer. So it's worth starting today and once you have your list, let's call it a gratitude list, uh, you know maybe you share it with your partner and maybe you commit to beginning each day for the next week with a reminder of one thing that you love about your partner, one thing that you're grateful for and you might take a moment to reflect on your own or you might Talk to yourself in the mirror. You might write it down as a reminder. But I think if you have the weekend together, you're not going to spend the whole weekend formally investing in your relationship. But I think this is a nice way to start. And you can spend some time doing this over breakfast one day, or you can come prepared. You know, you can do this in advance. And I also want to add if you're going through a rough patch when it comes to sex, you said you haven't, you barely touch anymore. And I don't know what that means with regard to sex. But don't feel pressure to have the hottest 10-year anniversary sex ever. I say instead just see if you can reach out and touch one another in non-sexual ways. So if you're driving, can you hold hands in the car? If you're watching a movie, can you snuggle up a little? So please don't put too much pressure on yourselves to fix everything in one day or one weekend instead. Just use the time to try and remember the happier times and recall some of those feelings and see how those feelings fit into the present because you can't recreate what you had, but you can create a new version and it can be even better.
1: I think you make a couple of great points. The idea, I I think expectations is huge. If you've been having years or a prolonged period of time that you've been going through a rough patch, the idea that you're going to go away for this 10-year anniversary and have a mind blowing weekend of connectivity and you're gonna come back a new couple, I don't think is necessarily realistic. Whereas doing, thinking about what you want the outcome to be and being realistic with that outcome may be a more positive approach to that weekend. Like we're not gonna have the, you know, the most mind blowing sex but we're going to just simply like success would be feeling better about, you know, touch after the weekend or something. Like, we're, I'm going to make an effort to hold hands more often or I don't know, whatever, something along those lines so that you are not disappointed when you come back and you didn't have the best weekend of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, even the language of success has become so one-dimensional, right? So when we say he's very successful, we tend to be talking about money when we talk about, you know, a relationship being successful, we often talk about just staying together, right? And we know that there are people who are together, but it's not really a successful relationship. And we know people who have split up and it was a successful relationship. Sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself and for your partner and for your relationship is to not be together in a committed, intimate way. And sexual success is usually like mind-blowing orgasms or a whole bunch of orgasms or coming at the same time and all of those standards or goals really detract from what we're looking for which is you know a pleasurable oftentimes connected experience so i think that's a a good piece to add that you know adjust your expectations so that they're a little bit more realistic you can really enjoy your time together without being goal oriented
1: the other thing that I've found difficult when you and I have been in arguments, is a willingness to try. I feel like there may be some posturing, like who's going to make the fir- who's going to extend their arm first, right? Who's going to make the first move to be more um, intimate, or who's going to make that first move to try and initiate conversation when it's awkward.
0: And that first move often isn't about being intimate or being physical. It really is about being vulnerable.
1: That yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like who's willing to be a little bit vulnerable first? Because when you've expressed some vulnerability to me, if we're having an argument and then you tell me I feel this way because of this or something along those lines, immediately the walls come down for me. And it I will do a 180 in terms of how i'm responding to you on the spot because all of a sudden you've told me how you feel and i'm empathizing with that and it really helps me change the trajectory of the conversation or whatever it is we're doing so my opinion on what i've done is just be willing to make that first effort
0: yeah and i think there's a line that goes a long way and maybe my language isn't your language but the way i see it is if you say or express in some terms, I really want to work on this, I think it breaks down barriers. I think it helps you both to become disarmed and acknowledge that this is going to be a bit vulnerable. So even when I'm so mad at you, and I've talked about the fact before that I get so riled up and I can get lost in the moment. I can forget the big picture. I can just be so focused on, on either being right or on demonstrating something to you or even teaching you a lesson, which I know sounds really condescending, but in the moment, that's how I how I get. And I remind myself just to say those words, not only for you, but for myself to say, listen, I really want to work on this. And sometimes it says, I, I actually say, like, I'm so pissed at you. I can't believe you did this. And I really want to work on this. So that's my line. That doesn't mean that it needs to be your line, but I find that that works for me as a reminder, but also helps to remind you that I'm still in this? Because I do think you have a little bit of a fear when we get upset at each other that I'm not as committed as you are.
1: Yeah, I I do have that fear. I still have that fear. And it's hard to break habits and it's hard to break... Uh, the way that your mind works.
0: And I think part of the problem is that I can be an all-or-nothing person. So that cognitive distortion of all-or-nothing thinking, I bring it into the relationship, especially during times of argument and tension. And so that only fuels your fear. So it's not, I don't know that it's necessarily something you brought in. I'm sure it's something that I've helped to cultivate and I have to help to dismantle.
1: But also modeled behavior that I had growing up, and I'm not faulting my parents for this but I'm seeing the, the, the way that yeah the way that I Just saw kidding. the arguments unravel I, I, I eventually get to the point where I've I, I, I've taken enough if you will and then I blow a gasket and I had to change that and call myself out and that was a really hard thing to learn to do and I still struggle with it but the empathy the vulnerability component when you tell me I feel this way or I'm really hurt or this is, this I'm, I'm hurting because of this, all of a sudden it changes, it gives me more room in the tank before I blow up and I'm aware of it and I have to work on it and there are some techniques like that that definitely help. So be willing to, to be the first to, to take that step.
0: So, you know, we wish you a happy 10 year anniversary and hope that it's a good weekend away and that you get something really like something positive out of it, whatever it may be. And again, no pressure to fix everything in one weekend. Um, Sometimes it's not a specific moment in time or a specific incident or a specific conversation that functions as a turning point. It sometimes is a little bit more gradual and a little bit more nuanced than that. So... Happy anniversary. I hope you have a great one. We're gonna stop there. And I really appreciate all of your questions. Please keep sending them in because the topics that you come up with are often more interesting to me than the topics I can come up with. So really appreciate that. Follow us online at Sex with Dr. Jess at Verity Brandon. And make sure you check out at Desire Experience. We're gonna be heading out on a cruise with them in September. We're prepping for that and we're we are we're going to some really cool places. We're going to Mallorca, we're going to Ibiza, we're going to Portofino, we're going to Valencia, which is beautiful, Barcelona. And they have a, a number of cruises, so make sure you check them out. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here, Brandon. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. And if you want to show your support, we'd certainly appreciate any retweets and shares as well as reviews online. They really help. So thank you again. Have an amazing week wherever you are